0: Yo yo yo! Yo
1: yo 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 yo! Hey 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 hey! Oh 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 oh! Okay! Oof! <laughs> I had um, not acid, not coffee, air
0: before this. Alright.
1: Oh! <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! What is up, friends and fam? Your sweet ears are listening to Adultish from YR Media. And mommy, I promise I did not do acid before this. Uh,
0: no comment. Uh, your boy, <laughs> and it's your boy, Young Naj, and I'm alongside the amazing, the talented, the oh-so-professional, Lil Merk.
1: Professional Lil Merc? Ooh, I like the sound of that. I think that's what I'll change my name to on LinkedIn. Can I get you to write an endorsement for me, Naj?
0: LinkedIn is garbaggio. like, for real. Honestly, it should be illegal. But I mean, for now,
1: Uh, no, it's like recycle at worst. Okay.
0: whatever. Anyways, (laughs) let's talk to some of these guests who don't need LinkedIn profiles to be for show pros in their crafts.
1: Alright, so in the pro-ish house today, we've got three boss people who've shown that you can reach high key baller status, even if you haven't been roaming the earth for that long.
0: In other words, everybody under 30.
1: Uh Uh-huh. So we've got comedian Taylor Tomlinson, who tells us her first church-approved Leonardo DiCaprio joke.
0: Then Stockton Mayor Michael Tubbs talks Tupac and his MLK-inspired basic income program.
1: And to cap off our show, breakout indie rock musician Snail Mail, who, fun fact, is 19 years old, tells us how to potty like a rock star, <laughs> and opens up about her hate for Taco Bell's Crunchwrap Supremes.
2: Uh, I guess that was a little bit of an overreaction for me. I I retract that.
1: You better. But shoot, now I'm hungry.
0: Bruh, we're starting the clock, so let's get this freaking episode going.
1: Okay,
0: sheesh. What you know about sheesh? That's for show my work. <laughs> First you still in my time, now you still on my work. So Merc, since we're the faces of this dope podcast, would you say that we've gone pro? Uh,
1: depends how you define pro, bro.
0: I mean like ultimate baller status, like my boy Wilt the still.
1: Oh, I have no idea who that is, but uh, in uh, that case...
0: Famous basketball player, Will Dude, Chamberlain.
1: I don't ball, bro. So He um, was off
0: Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends. His name was Wilt. He was Imaginary Friend.
1: Oh, oh, Tall Red Fuzzy. Oh, okay, yeah, in that case, yeah, but, you know, your girl is trying to make it to Netflix status, so, like, full-on face featured as a thumbnail mm-hmm. of an episode. You know what I mean?
0: <laughs> Just a thumbnail?
1: What do you mean just a thumbnail? Dreams can be made there.
0: True, 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 I'm not gonna lie, but we've got someone who's made all those dreams real life. Taylor Tomlinson is here in the adultish house today.
1: Hey girl Tay, thanks
3: for coming to our show. Hey, thank you for having me. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. There was a Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends reference up top. (laughs) You recognize that I am a thumbnail on Netflix sometimes, which is the greatest accomplishment of my entire life.
1: There you go. Snaps to that.
0: So everybody, Taylor got her start in comedy at 16 and was a top 10 finalist on season 9 of NBC's Last Comic Standing.
1: You've heard her lovely voice on the Self-Helpless podcast and she's rocking a sweet leather jacket on her on The Tonight Show. It's on YouTube. Check it out. But for reals, Taylor, where'd you get that leather jacket?
3: Oh, which one? <laughs> the one on the Netflix? Let's go with the
1: the black one with the the white stripes. That one.
3: You know what? I think that's actually from like Forever 21 or something, but I found it at a thrift store. Ooh. It was not my first choice for that special. I had picked another jacket, and then I got there, and they were like, you can't wear white. You're too white to wear white. And I was like, oh, okay. So I had to change my entire <laughs> And then the jeans like the jeans I was wearing were jeans I like stole from the wardrobe department at last comic standing like oh, I am not no. I am not classy at
0: all. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've most recently seen that leather jacket on Netflix the comedy lineup.
1: Achieving those Netflix thumbnail dreams for us all, is that everything you ever hoped for, Taylor? Oh my gosh, it really is. I mean, it- Everything
3: you ever hope for sounds a lot grander than it than it actually feels. Mostly, it's just me and my sisters in a group chat sending each other screenshots of like, "Look, it's a different picture now." <laughs> <laughs> it's not very glamorous. It's just kind of you being excited alone. Uh, but yeah, it's so cool. It's very <laughs> surreal to see like a thumbnail of yourself on Netflix, like right next to Queer Eye. <laughs> oh yeah.
0: So, Taylor, just to get things started, we did some digging on your Twitter graveyard. <gasps> yeah, we want to know if this really happened. You once tweeted, my dad says a good Christmas gift is something you know the other person won't buy for themselves. So this year, I bought him tampons. Okay. Did that really happen?
3: No, I didn't actually get him tampons. Uh, it, it wouldn't have thrown him either. He's got four daughters. He's bought more than his fair share of tampons over the years. <laughs> He's completely desensitized. <laughs>
1: So your career as a comedian started in your mid-teens, the prime time for Awkward Adolescence. So what was it like knowing while everyone else was getting their start on driving cars, you were getting your start on your comedy career?
3: You know, it's weird because looking back on it, I'm very grateful that I started as young as I did. And a lot of people, when they find out, are like, oh, that's so great that, that you started so soon. And, and I wish I'd done that. But at the same time, you know, you're 16. I mean, you don't have anything to talk about. I I was literally doing jokes about not going to prom. And it's good for learning how to be on stage and learning how to write jokes. But you do only have the life experience that you have at that point. And it's not very much. I mean, I'm 24 now and I'm still like, I got to live some life. Did anyone try to talk you out of doing it? I tried to talk me out of doing it. I'm still trying to talk myself out of doing it. Uh, every day I'm like, you could just get a desk job. Doesn't that sound nice? Knowing Nine to five. Yeah, honestly, it sounds weird, but it sort of is when you're on a different plane every 24 hours and, and it's hard to get any sort of rhythm or schedule going. But I know that what I'm doing is like the best thing ever.
0: So why did you even jump into comedy in the first place?
3: My junior year of high school, my dad, he just wanted to hang out before I went to college. And so he signed us up for a stand-up comedy class that was like 45 minutes away from our house. I don't even think he thought I was very funny. He was just like, you're a good writer. You like to write. You can write jokes for me. (laughs) And so we went and took this class. And uh, it was, weirdly enough, it was at a church. (laughs) It was taught by a church comedian. I grew up super religious. And so I started doing comedy like opening for that guy or churches or fundraisers mm. or schools and coffee shops. Like basically everywhere that wasn't a club, I I was
0: performing in. <laughs> do you remember any of those jokes that you used to do back then?
3: When I was like 16, 17, I'd say, I'm really sorry uh, that I'm so young. And I know there's going to be some generational differences tonight. For example, you guys probably saw Titanic in theaters and I saw Titanic on VHS. VHS. Yep. I was like, when you guys saw Titanic, you cried because Jack died. And when I saw Titanic, I cried because Leonardo DiCaprio didn't look like that anymore. (laughs) So that was my opening joke for like the first maybe two, two or three years was just me going like, look, I know I'm super young and I'm sorry about it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, Taylor, this is a segment that we like to call Goals. goals. So here we find an expert on a certain topic that will help us reach our hashtag goals. And today, Taylor is here to help us reach our goals on fitting in with older, younger, or whatever millennial same age crowd that we're trying to fit in with.
1: Hashtag respect my age goals.
0: So our first question is like, (laughs) <laughs> I'm not sure if you know this, but our parents' generation hates us. Like millennials <laughs> killed Applebee's, or millennials aren't buying diamonds, or we're lazy and vain, which is true sometimes. But how do you gain respect from those older people? Or should I even try?
3: The way I gain respect with older people is by hating myself more than they hate me. Ooh. <laughs> like it, It's always very strange to me because I feel like sometimes I'm like, oh, they're not going to get it. They're not going to... They're going to think I'm dumb. They're going to think I don't have anything to say or I don't know anything yet or I'm ignorant or I haven't had enough life experience. And I think people who are older than people in their 20s just don't like arrogance. I think they just hate it when millennials are walking around like they know exactly what they're doing. And I think more and more our generation is figuring out that we don't know what we're doing. (laughs) I think... A lot of people our age are kind of trying to do everything as far as like, I'm going to party really hard, but I'm also going to like nail this internship and get a full time job at the company I love. That nine to five. Yeah. They're like, I'm going to nail it professionally, but I'm also going to go out and drink and hook up and I'm not going to get committed too soon and I'm going to experience life. You kind of can't do all of that stuff at once. It's, it's, you can, but it's very difficult. Yeah. And I think even what I, Don't respond well to uh, among people my own age is just people who don't seem to acknowledge the fact that we're all struggling (laughs) (laughs) and uh, and we're trying to get better as quickly as possible. But, you know, it's a process in your 20s or a decade
1: So let's pretend you're at a family gathering where you're the oldest young person. You know, everyone else is going through puberty. They're probably popping pimples in the bathroom. What do you do if your grandma or uncle shows up and hits you with the, what are you doing with your life? (laughs) Question. Yeah, you just have to accept that you're
3: going to have to kind of handhold people through what you do and then get it down, get it concise, maybe practice it in the car (laughs) on the way over and have some questions in the back of your brain for them in case you want to stop talking about what you do.
1: That is good. You
3: know, how are you doing? Are you happy? Uh, do you need me to get your pills? Is, <laughs> do you still love grandpa? Like love just grandma. hit them with harder hitting questions. Distract and deflect.
1: So
0: <laughs> I have a question about mansplaining.
1: Okay. How is that related to hashtag respect my age goals?
0: Uh I guess it's more like a hashtag respect goals.
2: Alright.
0: My dad's done it, my grandpa's done it. I mean Obama probably even does it. <laughs> But, I mean, like, for those of you who don't know what mansplaining is, pause this podcast, go Google it, do some research, and then come back later. But, Real quick right now, I wanna play a quick vox pop that two of our high school interns produced here in Oakland.
1: Ooh. Shout out to Olivia Monforte and Vanessa Rasmussen.
0: Hey, shout out, shout out. So in the clip that hit the streets and asked people about this hot topic, after this, we're gonna to talk to you real quick about an instance where you were mansplained to, and we're gonna figure out what would your response be to mansplaining.
2: Cool. Do you know what mansplaining is? Yes. Oh, <laughs> yes. I so am a woman. do
0: you mean to explain that to you? <laughs>
2: Oh, I'm yes. just kidding. So <laughs> the <answer is> yes. <laughs> have you ever mansplained?
4: I'm sure I have, but, probably, I've but probably i probably females have, have done it to uh, me as well. No, <laughs> wasn't that mansplaining? No, I, I don't know. I don't know if I ever mansplained anything. Always, yeah. I feel like everything I say is a mansplanation. <laughs> I don't know if it's just him or <laughs> things get broken down to me a lot more than they need to. Possibly.
0: Yeah, and, but I like the fact that I hate around wrong with women that you will know, hold me accountable
4: to my bullshit.
2: Have you ever done that?
4: How about one time? I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to line, one time.
2: One time, like a specific time?
4: Today. I?
3: <laughs> <laughs> I knew that she was in law school, and nevertheless, I thought I knew more about California politics. I mean, I quickly realized that I was wrong there and that I shouldn't have assumed that, but it still happened.
2: Do you know what mansplaining is? Man who? Mansplaining. No, what's that? Um, It's kind of like when a man explains something to you in a demeaning way, like down-talking to you. Yeah, I even have that in intimate relationships. It's ridiculous.
0: So, has there ever been an instance where you've been mansplained to?
3: Oh, gosh. I mean, of course. My favorite from that clip is the guy who just goes, oh, yeah, one time. One time (laughs) I did it. Yeah, just what? Sure, just today just the one time today uh i think one thing that women in comedy get is uh sometimes you get guys going uh you know you can't you can't wear this on stage because that's going to make people see you in a certain way or you know it's going to be distracting if you dress too sexy or not even sexy just nice if you like dress up too much or things like that explaining to you how to do comedy is always frustrating i mean like all your hairs stand up on your arms. Like, oh, okay, well, mm-hmm. let's get out of this before I say something very rude. I feel that.
0: How do you shut down a mansplain?
3: What I do is I just kind of nod and smile, get through the conversation. And uh, once they stop talking, I immediately uh, cut them out of my life. There you go. <laughs> you don't need them. Just em. real clean, clean break, you know? Cause Bye. What's the point? Like, oh, you obviously don't think I'm very intelligent. Uh, if it's somebody that you're in a relationship with or something, I think you should bring that up for sure and just go, hey, uh, just so you know, you're being condescending and there's a word for it. And let's pull up Urban Dictionary right now and learn some things. About you. Yeah, learn it together.
1: <laughs> well, T-Tom, it's been real having you on our show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. What a cool show. Well, thank you. Everybody, Taylor's on Instagram at T-Tom Comedy and tweets at Taylor Tomlinson.
0: If you want to see her sweet leather jacket in real life, check out her website at T-Tom to see if she's doing a show near you.
1: Or keep mooching off of your parents' Netflix account, you know. <laughs> Check her out on the comedy <laughs> lineup if you haven't already. Thanks, guys.
0: Yo, Merc, how old do you think you have to be to like run the country?
1: Um, <laughs> I mean, I like guess. Like, if what you I'm-
0: had to give me a number.
1: I mean, I guess whatever age you're ready to get white hair for, you see what it did to Obama?
0: Sheesh, the glory days, RIP.
1: (laughs) Why? What do you think?
0: So basically, I think there's like a bunch of qualified people under 35, Mm -hmm. but like the laws won't let them be president or whatever. So I don't know, call me crazy, but this is kind of how I feel about it. If we're setting things up for future generations or whatever, why is there somebody 72 years old calling the shots?
1: I, I see what you're saying. I mean, on the flip side, I think most US cities will let you run for mayor if you're at least 18 or 21. I just have yet to meet someone our age who's actually done that.
0: Well, I actually did. Oh. So me and our boss, Davey, drove up a couple hours to Stockton, California, to talk to our Mama I Made It guest, my boy, Mayor Michael Tubbs, and he's about to prove the point that age ain't nothing but a number. Getting there ain't nothing but a thing. (laughs) All right. Just to fill you guys in, Michael is 28 now, but two years ago, he made history by becoming Stockton's first black mayor ever. And also, the youngest mayor of a city over 100,000 people, but it's more like 310,000. Also, I gotta be real with you, Tubbs probably won't like this, please don't get me for this, Mike. But, before he was elected, Stockton was regularly considered one of the most miserable cities in the U.S., sometimes even number one in that category.
1: Oh, snap. Well, props to him for turning the beat around! (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, so anyway, I started off talking to Mayor Tubbs by asking him about why the Tupac poem, A Rose That Grew From Concrete, is his favorite poem.
4: Oh my gosh, I love that poem. <laughs> my, my, I think my half the city can be cited by now, right now in Stockton, to, to grow. It's like growing like a rose from concrete. That's right. not easy, it's very difficult, but we're saying if you're able to grow through the cracks in the concrete, we'll make sure there's something there for you while also doing the work to make sure that the next generation of kids don't have to grow in concrete. But I think as someone who grew up I'm on the other side of the tracks and uh, yeah. whose mom had him young, grew up in poverty, whose father is still incarcerated. Right. Just this notion of growing from concrete really stuck with me. So you said that, I can I see that you identify as that rose as well, but do you think that the Residents of Stockton identify as that rose too, in your opinion? Absolutely. I remember the first summer of this program I co-founded called the Summer Success and Leadership Academy. It's like a leadership development program in the summer. Um, we I taught the lesson at that program for the first time, right. and one of the students, when she turned eighteen, got it tattooed on her. So <laughs> she has a whole poem as a sleeve, and there's she... so many um, young people we work with and mentor whose college essays are about being this rose that grew from concrete, and, right. and, and it's just. Exciting how how it still resonates six years after I first started using it all the time in Stockton, but Over 10-15 years since Tupac's death, right? Yeah, Yeah, that's incredible.
0: That's dope. That's dope that you like that resonates as almost like a rallying call for your city. Oh, absolutely. That's tight. That's tight. But real quick for people that don't know a lot about Stockton What's something that you think people
4: should know? Well, there's a Cut me off because there's a lot, but I think <laughs> number one, Stockton's 315,000 people, bigger than Newark, New Jersey. It's just as big as Pittsburgh and Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a big city. It's the 62nd largest city in our nation. Um, it has the second largest inland port in the state. It has the oldest Sikh temple in North America. It's incredibly diverse. Dolores Hortha, Maya Angelou, Larry Etlion, These Social justice heroes mm-hmm. all called Stockton home or are from Stockton. Yeah. Um, it's a city on the rise. For three of the last four years, we've been named All-American city. We were bankrupt six years ago, and now we're the second most fiscally healthy city in the state. Mm-hmm. So we're not perfect for sure, but we're trending in the right direction, and we're in a perfect location as well, close to the Bay Area in Sacramento, and to like Yosemite and things of that sort. So it's quickly mm-hmm. becoming a place to be. Um, has it always been like that for you? Because you grew up in Stockton, right? Yeah, absolutely. Now, growing up here, my, my first impulse, my first motivation, um, the idea of being a rose from, growing from concrete, meant leaving Stockton and All never right. coming back. Um, so I had a very, I was proud to be from Stockton because there's a sudden swag and a sudden like bravado that comes from being from a tough community and a resilient community. Yeah. But I always thought it was somewhere to be from and to flee from, but never to like come back to and be a part of. Right. Um, So that's changed since I've been on city council. I really fell in love with my city again because I saw there's ordinary people doing extraordinary things. There's so much opportunity and a lot of the things that make me who I am come from the fact that I grew up here.
0: Right. So that actually was going to be one of my questions. You left Stockton, went to Stanford, you had internships at Google, the Obama White House. What was it like, was there an, an event or a person that brought you back to Stockton. Mm. What's that story like?
4: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think first when I left and I would come back, I had this little bit of survivor's guilt. Yeah. I was like, man, Stanford's nice. We got palm trees yeah. and Froyo. I'm in South Africa and El Salvador and Google and the White I was like, whoa, like, I was were just in Stockton like, five years ago with all my friends, a lot of my friends, yeah. a lot of my family members, a lot of people I love were, were still in Stockton and mm-hmm. then had not even a, a Tenth of the opportunity I was presented, so I was a little bit right. guilty about that. So I was, I was always thinking well, what could I do to help. But then, when I was entering in the White House um, on Halloween, one of my cousins, Donnell James II, he was murdered. I'm mm. um, in Stockton at a house party, and that was the reckoning point where I thought about, well, I mean, can you really be successful if you have? An opportunity, or you could have the opportunity to really make an impact on this place that you're from, or you don't. I thought all these all these good things that were happening had to be about something bigger than just me. Right. Um, so that's the only reason why I decided to come back and run from office is really kind of just working through the grief and the pain of losing a loved one prematurely, and understanding that. In communities all across this country, but and especially in Stockton, that for far too many young people of color, losing someone before twenty one is a rite of passage. It's almost it's almost normal. No one bats an eye, and I'm like, no, it's unnatural. Exactly, and it shouldn't be the norm.
0: Almost everybody you talk to, they're gonna say, yeah, like I have at least one friend, yeah, like, like one that okay, I grew up with that's that's happened to. That's deep. So earlier in the year, you announced that you're gonna start this basic income program. What made you wake up one day and just think, this is gonna fix the city?
4: Mm. Well, I don't think a basic income in and of itself will fix the city, but I think it's a powerful tool in a toolbox of other tools like affordable health care and jobs and housing Mm. and education and violence reduction. That's why we're doing like a million things at once and doing them all at 100 um, miles per hour. But the basic income thing I heard about in college, actually. I was reading Dr. King's book, Where Do We Go From Here? And he talks about, I think the direct quote is, I am now convinced that the the simplest way to abolish poverty is the most direct, um, right. to give, a, give cash to every American paid at the median national income. So I remember reading that and saying, wow, that's radical. I never heard this one, let's, <laughs> let's look at it. Yeah. Um, and then it's very special that, let see, 2010, eight years later, I'm the mayor piloting a basic <laughs> income demonstration as Dr. Yeah. King is someone um, I look up to um, and someone whose ideas I think still are resonant and still need to be actualized today.
0: Is this the first time that this has been done in the
4: US? It's the first time, like, a, it's a city-led uh-huh. program. And luckily for us, it's all funded by grants mm-hmm. and, and philanthropic dollars.
0: And your hope is that people are using this to, you know, create a base for themselves or lift them on their feet, or what's Yeah, well, the, what's the well I goal? think
4: the, the data is so interesting. Like, 40% of all Californians mm-hmm. don't have a savings account. Or right. one in two Americans don't have $400 in cases of savings. Or in stock, their rents have risen 22%, but wages have decreased 8%. That like People are really struggling and are working and there should be an income floor. Mm-hmm. Not for luxuries or niceties, but for necessities that, that people deserve to be able to afford their housing and their, just the basics.
0: Right, like the question that comes up is, like, what's necessity? What's your right as a human? And that's what you guys are like. Yeah,
4: that's the of. thing. Let's, let's talk about what human dignity is. Let's talk about what people right. deserve. If someone works a low paying job, they don't deserve housing. That, makes, uh, no that sense. makes no sense. Or right. should people work two or three jobs and work themselves to death and not see their families and kids just to pay bills? I, 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 just, I just don't buy that. So as the universal
0: income rolls out, do you have any worries about it? No one's ever asked that. That's a good question.
4: Yeah, I think the thing I'm most worry about is there's all these little logistical things that need to go right, right. Especially ensuring that everyone gets their $500 at the same time. <laughs> yeah. That's the big one. So I, I, we we have some checks in place where. Mm-hmm. Be really thoughtful, but just wanna I don't want to I do not want i do not want there ever to be a story that someone they get their check. Yeah. People just knocking on your door. Where's my five hundred dollars? I have knocking. Yeah. Right? So um that that for me is probably the one of the biggest worries.
0: Definitely. So I'm 22 and when you were 22, you were on the city council, right? That's when you yeah, got just elected. I started on city council. Yeah. What's it like working in an environment with so many people are a lot older
4: than you? Yeah, my vice mayor is like seventy-two, yeah. or sixty-nine. He's he's something. He up there.
0: Yeah, and you were on city council at twenty-two, and now now you you were elected mayor at twenty-six. There's a certain type of respect that goes into talking to older people. But then when you're also mayor and your position is a little higher than somebody, doesn't that get a little shaky? Like, yeah, what's it, it like? It, it's a, a weird balance
4: that to have to strike. When you're young, there's all these assumptions. Sometimes that come with, oh, you're, you're cocky. I just try to be very intentional. And also, I, I treat my colleagues with respect. Mm-hmm. I, I, don't, I, I don't think I've ever yelled. <laughs> That's just not my thing. But at the end of the day, it's business, so sometimes I have to say, No, we're not doing that, mm-hmm. and people find that disrespectful. So it's a bit of a balance, but I'm. But now that I'm the mayor, we spent four years on city council, so I'm like, Okay, age or not, I'm the mayor, mayor. I'm held accountable for the decisions we make. So um, sometimes I, I probably am a little bit too aggressive. Does anybody ever get upset about that? Not Not the folks I work with each and every mm-hmm. day, but sometimes folks who may think because I'm young I'm gullible or I right. don't read or they could just tell me what to do and they find out that's not the case. Mm-hmm. They get a little bit frustrated. You're like, nah,
0: like I've been doing this. This is what I do. Yeah, yeah it's like, no, we're, not gonna, <laughs>
4: we're just not going to do that thing.
0: So after four years on city council, um, what made you decide, I'm ready to take this to the next step and become mayor at 26? Well,
4: <laughs> honestly, for the last two years of my time on council, I was functioning as the mayor. Okay. Um, so I was like, council members would call me like, hey, I wanna get this on the agenda, how do I do yeah. it? I was also, also chair of the two most important committees, the legislative committee and the audit committee. Um, so kind of all the, all the financial changes and all the policy changes and mm-hmm. the policy came through, my, came through my committees first. And I would just, every time there was like an issue, people would call me no matter what district they lived in. And so I was like, well, if I'm already doing the job, yeah, might as well, might as well get, do the job. Get the accolades uh, for the, yeah, for the yeah. job I'm doing. Just let me just get the job. I, <laughs> um, so that, that kind of was how I decided. But I right. would say I did underestimate how much physical and emotionally draining uh, being mayor is. So I'm still kind of learning and working through that.
0: Right. So I, tomorrow I can't just decide I want to go from a podcast host to be mayor. Um, what are some actual like tangible steps I could take to maybe if I wanted to become mayor?
4: Yeah, I think number one, you have to have a track record of doing something. Even if it's not at scale. Um, So I tell people all the time, volunteer on the campaign, that's a good experience. Um, Get involved in a community-based organization, like have a track record, point to results and and value and Mm -hmm. say, I may have done this position before, but what's what I've done in the past, look look at the impact I've been able to make. Mm -hmm. Um, The second thing I would say is just be knowledgeable, read up on the issues. And the third is that you'll never be ready, you can be 50 years old and still not be ready, so don't let your age or, quote, unquote, that like experience stop you. Like, experience is important. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm happy I did city council before mayor. Experience does matter, but experience is not the end-all, be-all. I mean, look who ha- look who's the president now, right? Like, mm-hmm. you don't, like, <laughs> if he can do it, you can do it. <laughs> <laughs> so th- that, what would be your advice to somebody who wants to be a mayor? Get your why right, because just to be a mayor to have a title, that's not going to mm-hmm. do anything for the people you represent, so don't run. But right. if you actually have something going to get done, if it comes from a place, and I mean... One of my favorite scriptures says, "The greatest of you shall be the servant of you all." And I think mm. that's a great, great um, quote for leadership. That the idea is that you're right. you're here
0: to serve. So something that we like to do on this segment, uh, Mama, I made it, is we like to give you a chance to give some advice to your younger, you know, less adult-ish self. Mm. Uh, what would be some advice to your younger self on, you know, just life? Yeah,
4: I would say start going to the gym, man. Because <laughs> if you don't get like it when you're younger. <laughs> when you're older, you're definitely not gonna like it. So that's a that's the right. num- <laughs> number one. Figure out a routine so by the time you're twenty five, it's mm-hmm. clockwork. Right. But starting at twenty eight, it's not pretty. Yeah. Um, number two, I would say save your money but also start to invest it. Like, you mm-hmm. know, you could start playing around with some things now. Number three, I think oftentimes my younger self was sometimes smarter than my, <laughs> my older <laughs> self, like, cause all those choices ba- made t- yeah. today possible. And then pray more, like, get, get, your, get your prayer game right. Mm-hmm. You have no idea what life's gonna throw at you. Cool, cool. Well, I mean, I really enjoyed talking with you. It's been amazing. Thank you, you so thank much. You, you. All
0: right.
1: nitty-gritty details on Mayor Tubbs' Universal Basic Income Program, check out StocktonDemonstration.com. And shout out to Chaz and Pablo from Wire Media for also tagging along and filming the whole visit that your girl didn't get invited to. Hashtag sad face.
0: And you know, Davey treated me to Thai food on the way back. Okay,
1: I get it, nice thing! <laughs>
0: But also, there's a little something extra in the video. Along with the interview with Tubbs, you also get to hear my grandpa's story about how in the 60s, he was one of the first black homeowners in South Richmond, California, aka the whites only part of town. Be sure to watch this all on our website at yradultish.com.
1: I gotta say, the romance between you two was pretty cute. Aww. Don't be
0: hating, it actually was. And after <laughs> hearing all that, city council at 22, elected at 26, I think I can see my boy Tubbs qualified enough to be POTUS in at least five years. With that, I rest my case, Lil Merc.
1: Well, big nudge, I gotta give you that one, because having a full-on interview to prove one point deserves mad respect. <laughs> Yay! Okay, so now it's my turn to ask you a question.
0: What's poppin', Slime?
1: If you were a pro musician, what would your stage name be?
0: Uh, my stage name would be Hot Biscuits, because, you know, biscuits <laughs> be, like, hot or whatever. I don't know. It sounds good, so I'm going to be Hot Biscuits. <laughs> well, <laughs> what would yours be?
1: Uh, i just keep it Merck. And you know I go by that name because it's a pun of my real name, Angela. You know, inspired by German Chancellor Angela Merck. Oh
0: <laughs> Dude, that's weird. What? I thought your name was like Merc because it was like, you finna Merc someone, you know?
1: Okay, one, it's not weak, and two, what is Merc
0: someone? I mean, you know, like Merc somebody! No, I mean, it's I don't... like, Okay, so if we was playing video games, basically, and I was winning and I like beat you, I merc you, like I destroyed you.
1: Uh, I did not know that.
0: Yeah, just stick with the Urban Dictionary backstory and I promise your name will seem way cooler.
1: Hey, dude, I like my backstory, it sounds super cool.
0: Okay, I mean, I, I appreciate you having no shame in that because, I mean, it's similar to our next guest who I heard her band's name is what it is just because she liked the way it sounded. These
1: are facts.
0: So, Rolling Stone, NPR, and Stereo Stereogum have all raved about this breakout artist and her latest album, Lush, as one of the best albums of 2018.
1: Mm-hmm. And if that wasn't enough, our boss Davey, who used to be an emo kid in high school, says it's the best album of 2018 to straighten his hair to.
0: We have <laughs> musician Lindsay Jordan, aka Snail Mail, with us today. Thanks for coming on Adultish.
2: Thanks for having me.
0: First off, Lindsay, well, how we want to get this started is... I'm gonna ask you a really important question, probably the most important question of this interview, maybe even the whole show. Okay, you had some people pretty upset here in the office about some comments that you made about a Taco Bell classic. Oh, you said F Crunchwrap Supremes. What's up with that?
2: Um, uh, I guess that was a little bit of an overreaction for me. I I don't I retract that. But, yeah, they definitely make my stomach upset. My band loves Taco Bell, Ugh. and I just I can't eat it on the road.
1: Man, I'm so sorry because I was, like, legit going to buy a Crunchwrap Supreme. They have a double-triple now, mm. and I was going to get one this morning, but I didn't have time to because I had to come to the studio. So Well, uh, Taco Bell breakfast is, is actually pretty <laughs> underrated,
2: in my opinion. So. I'm so hungry.
0: Taco Bell stepping up the breakfast game. <laughs> So, um, some of the songs on your album are about, like, heartbreak and life just being life, which isn't always, like, all glamorous and stuff like that, like we make it on social media. What I want to know is, what was the hardest song on the album for you to finish?
2: Almost all of them never made it to the finishing uh, point. What? But, yeah, I am like a very non prolific. Haven't re- really like finished a song since the the record. Dang. But um,
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, we're gonna uh, we're gonna play a clip of Heatwave real quick right here. Sweet. So um, what, like, really inspired you, you know, behind, like, writing that song?
2: That song is just, like, so specifically about a breakup that I had. Like, mm-hmm. I wrote it, like, two weeks after, and that one is, like, I think, like, if you were to consult my friends at home, it's, like, one of the most specific, obvious who I'm talking about, like, snail mail mm. diss tracks of all time. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> I've since never written a song in that way, and probably never will. Like, I remember, like, coming up with parts of it, like, fully clothed, sitting in my bathtub with no water in it. (laughs) And let out my feels. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So speaking of which, when I listen to your album, I get these sort of, I'm going to pour my heart out vibe. Kind of reminds me of, you know, like, Seattle, and that's where I'm from, so shout out, shout out. Um, You know, as a songwriter, you're putting these thoughts, stories, and confessions out into the world. Are you ever worried about being misunderstood? I ask because sometimes I get in my feels on my Snapchat story and then I feel like I have to quadruple
2: second guess myself
1: on whether the world was actually ready for that. Um,
2: <laughs> I was in such a different place as a person when I was writing Lush than, than I am now and I actually feel like I was a little less conscious about like what my songs kind of meant to other people. and I feel like I, I'm so much less open than I used to be, and, and I guess probably because they're like, I didn't really expect for there to ever be an audience, so it was just like, mm. I can write about whatever I want, and it doesn't really matter.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. There's like, a bit of reservation, or just like, you know, keeping things Yeah, definitely, to for sure. I think that's all part of, hashtag adulting! <laughs> Whoa, I had,
2: I had no idea. I like, just got off the phone yesterday, I had like a business manager meeting with like, six people on the phone, where we were talking about like, W-2s, and uh...
3: Oh, like gosh, investing ew. in
2: my retirement it was oh so funny <laughs> uh it's just i've been thinking about my adulthood a lot in the last couple hours so boom you've come to the right place my friend
0: <laughs> so what we want to do is uh we're gonna play your first guitar driven song on the record um here is pristine cool
2: <laughs>
1: In the first part of the clip, you're singing about love, and toward the end, you're talking about some party we weren't invited to. <laughs> hashtag Tifty Lindsay. <laughs> anyway, it seems like there's a story to this song.
2: Um, It's it's just kind of like a, a little like ode to the monotony of adolescence and just like kind of being bored and, and sort of just like... Love sick, and it's like kind of a it's kind of like a sick joke, and I'm kind of like making fun of myself obviously i'm I'm aware of the fact that falling in and out of love at seventeen or, or whenever yeah, seventeen I guess was when I wrote that um, is obviously gonna happen um, but mm-hmm. it, it's a really good uh sort of like reflection of exactly who I was at that time and that was just like feeling you know I was like stuck in high school and I was just like partying all the time and and just sitting around and having a hard time appreciating. The simple, boring aspects of life, which I now really love. I like just, I love being bored and and going to parties and seeing my friends from home and and just sitting around.
0: In high school, did you do like a lot of partying and stuff like that? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What's a a snail mail party? Like describe your (laughs) perfect party.
2: I think my ideal party would be at like uh cool bar but not the kind of bar that like industry people take you to like a like a bar that's like cheap like and trashy and then like yeah probably like no no jerks allowed just like (laughs) a place with like late late night tacos and free free drinks or something
1: i'll have what sarah's (laughs) sipping on yeah
0: (laughs) So, I will admit, I'm kind of out of the loop when it comes to like indie rock or whatever right now. But I was a big <laughs> fan like back in the day, like Fallout Boy, Kings of Leon, Paramore, like all that was all my stuff. Like, I mean, like, I will say your album is hecka dope. Well, thank and you. And it puts me in like the mindset of like when I used to rush home after summer school and like watch Nick and Nora's infinite playlist on a loop. <laughs> but I love for real, like. Yeah, no, it's heckin' dope. Like, <laughs> but yeah, it seems like um, that style, like indie, kind of like punk rock, is coming back. Why do you think that is?
2: I I think that like guitars are kind of in again, and I think it's because we had that like big like electronic pop wave, and everyone was like, Ugh, like, what happened to guitar rock? And then now like now that there's it's been missing for so long, so many people are like coming back with it. Right. So, correct me if I'm wrong on this,
1: but I read in some YouTube comment that one of your favorite songs is Let's Find an Out. We're going to play a little clip of the couple bars here. Sweet. Damn, so good! Oh my god, thanks. So Davey said this is one of his favorite songs because of the subtle yet complex fingerpicking. Why is it your favorite?
2: Um, it kind of came out of nowhere for me. I think like usually the snail mail songs just like take a lot of planning, and and that song was just like the most organic thing I've ever written, and the meaning is really personal to me, and it's not really as straightforward as the other ones. It's sort of it's kind of like hidden between a bunch of layers and. Yeah, I mean, the the guitar work is something that, it's it's the kind of song I've kind of wanted to make for a while, but didn't really, like, know where it would fit on the record. And, yeah, I mean, I, I started it and finished it, like, really without any hesitation.
0: I'm curious, like, what was your first song like? Like, ever! Yeah, your first, like, original song.
2: Um, well, I started writing songs when I was, like, seven, and like, they were all, like, they, <laughs> they were all just, like, there was one that was, like, it was exactly that song, "Pieces of Me" by Ashley Simpson, but just with different. Oh my words. gosh, that song!
1: That's the first song I ever remembered the lyrics to. Not even.
2: <laughs> I think yeah, that might have been my first ever song. It's just I I think I like changed a couple of lyrics and and I never even realized that that's just exactly what I was ripping off until like <laughs> a couple <of> years <laughs> later, like looking Sorry, back. Sorry, Ashley.
0: That's like way more. That's way more advanced than I thought that you were gonna say. I thought you were gonna be like <laughs> you know coloring on the paper. Like what do seven year what do seven year olds write about? But that's heck enough that you were like writing at that level.
2: I think that that's the song was maybe about like waiting around for like my friend to sleep over or something.
1: <laughs> oh, that's a good one. That was the question back in the day. You you just would never know.
2: Yeah, like are they gonna come sleep over or do am I gonna have to clean my room or, or am I just gonna wait around for an answer? <laughs>
1: So we're at our last question. You probably get these day-in, day-out questions like, what's it like doing this at such a young age? And right. what's it like being a woman in a band? What's yeah? What's something you wish you were asked more often about your life Ooh. as a musician?
2: Uh, I, sometimes I kind of wish people were just like, how are you doing? <laughs> um. How are you doing? Yeah, thanks for asking. I'm actually pretty good right now. I just had three weeks at home. Just been like reading and eating a lot of Oreos and just like kicking it. <laughs> How are you guys?
0: Yeah, I'm doing pretty good, too. I mean, uh <laughs> had, a, had a bit of a rough, a rough morning.
1: Yeah, here's a quick little flashback, Lindsay. Davey will probably edit something in here.
0: From the bathroom <laughs> floor to interview time.
1: I remember my first night drinking. Ha <laughs> ha. Those were the days. JK.
0: Wait, can I leave real quick? Handle some more business? No! Oh. Wind
1: flash forward.
0: A rough, a rough morning, but doing better now. I'm
2: sorry. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Um, I'm I'm pretty good. I'm super hungry and again, I was legit craving that freaking double triple crunch wrap. So I went to this like off-brand Chipotle place. So I've got chips and guac and a Ooh. sexy burrito waiting to get inside well, my mouth.
2: Amazing. I love Chipotle.
0: <laughs> she was gonna get Taco Bell, but then like she was like, "No, I don't want to make Snowmel upset."
2: <laughs> I can't. Well, I'm sorry. Lindsay will smell my breath over the,
1: <laughs> the, the airwaves. I'll sense
2: it. Last time I went to Chipotle, I was sitting there by myself. Like, there was like no one in the store, and Pristine was on, and I was just eating my. It's on the store (gasps) playlist. Yeah. I was like at the one right right next to my house, just sitting there listening to Pristine eating. It was like a moment, a moment and a half. Oh my.
1: You should have
0: came up to somebody. (laughs) Like, yo, who is this?
1: (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much for being on our show, Lindsay. Cool. Thank
0: you. Thank you, everybody, so much for listening to another episode of Adult-ish from YR Media, a national network of young journalists and artists creating content for this generation.
1: Uh Uh-huh. So be sure to check out some other dope, young, and profesh art, journalism, apps, and music at yr.media. There's also our website at yradultish.com.
0: And as always, we want to shout out everyone who made this show possible. So
1: shout out to our senior producer, Captain Diggity Davey, for yay yay. guiding this adultish ship.
0: My incredibly talented partner, in Crime Murky Mark.
1: Aww, and my podcast, writer, or Die Nighty Night. <laughs> we also want to give kudos to our EP, Rebecca Martin.
0: And last but not least, the audio wizard of Oz, Gonnity Joe Johnson.
1: So like, share, and subscribe to the show. And hey, guess what? If 25 of you lovely folks leave us a hottie review, Nigel, Davey, and I will each drink 25 of Taco Bell's Diablo hot sauce and film it. That's like the spiciest incentive we got.
0: Yeah, we'll even make it like a race or something. For real, thanks for listening again. And be sure to tune in next week when me and Merck push a few buttons on race-ish.
1: Uh, More like talk to other people who do the button pushing. Here's a preview.
0: I feel like when white people watch the show, they see like an Asian show. But I feel like when younger people watch the show, they just see like a college comedy.
1: If you recognize that voice as Ronnie Chang from The Daily Show and Crazy Rich Asians, who straight up signed my copy of the book, you get a gold star. I'm still so happy I got his autograph. Is
0: there anyone that you don't fangirl over?
1: <laughs> um, you, lol. <laughs> hey,
0: I'll remember that when I'm famous, bruh. Uh,
1: are we not pros already?
0: Uh, pros in training, lil' Mark.
1: Alright, fair enough. Hasta bye-bye.
0: La, Later.
1: Does that mean we've been writing strong uh, segment copy? I think so. High five, Nige. <laughs> High five? No. Oh, was that high five? Yay! Haha! <laughs> oh wait. Okay. High five in three, two, one. Yeah! Close enough. That's That's what a long distance teamwork relationship looks like, everybody.